All right, everyone. Uh, welcome to this episode of the Department 12 podcast. I'm really excited about this one because this one was suggested to me by a listener who was also a co-author on this article. Um, and it's an article that I really liked reading. I thought it was a, a great study. I think it's very practical. Uh, so I'm being joined today by Allison Carr and Dr. Jay Hardy. Welcome to you both. Hi. Thanks for having us. All right. So maybe just start by telling us a little bit about yourself. Allison, you want to go first? Yeah, so I did my graduate work um, at the University of Akron, and I've been with Shaker now for almost three years. Um, I guess for anybody who isn't familiar with Shaker who's listening, um, we're an external consulting firm, and we focus primarily kind of in the selection realm, and we deal with um, custom multi-method assessments, and so we incorporate a bunch of different exercises, like personality measures and culture fits and gamified simulation stuff, uh, that sort of thing. And I'm actually on our insights team, uh, which means that I'm responsible for like ongoing analytics and ongoing support for assessment use in organizations. And so basically I'm swimming around in data all day trying to find um, answers to questions that our clients have. All right. Very cool. Dr. Hardy? Yeah, my name is uh, Jay Hardy. I'm an assistant professor at Oregon State University. I've been here for about two years. Uh, before that, I did my graduate work at the University of Oklahoma, Go Sooners. Uh, my area of specialty is primarily in HR topics. I focus mostly on things like training and development, uh, the role of self-regulation, motivation in the workplace, and recently kind of dipped into this new area of uh, applicant attrition and its implications for employee selection. All right. Yeah. And, you know, recruitment and selection is huge in, in the IO world. Uh, and you just published a study along with a couple other co-authors that looked at assessment length and applicant dropout. So what got you interested in that topic to begin with? Yeah. So th it's really interesting. Um, this is something that we deal with on a really regular basis at Shaker. Um, you know, we need the assessment to be shorter is something that we hear all the time. Um, and it usually goes hand in hand kind of with the question of how can we improve completion rates of our assessment. Um, but this isn't really a question that's relevant to just practitioners. Um, so, you know, it's on the mind of everybody in the applied space. So, um, you know, from recruiters all the way up to people at the CHRO level, um, you see people who are really have this pervasive belief that the shorter an assessment is, um, the more people will get through it and the yeah. larger pool of qualified applicants they'll have. Um, but really, it's a question that's relevant to academics as well. Mm. Um, you know, a test that is psychometrically sound is always going to be the primary goal, whether you're developing it for you know, use in practice or for more in an academic setting. Uh, reliability and validity are going to be really important. Um and while we recognize that obviously assessments shouldn't be needlessly long, there's kind of a, a lower limit um, to the time it takes to assess things like personality traits, um, job relevant KSAOs, um, you know, to measure those things in a really meaningful way. It takes a little bit of time. Um, it was really interesting because obviously our clients, this issue kept coming up. And when we went and looked in the literature, there was really nothing that was speaking to it. Um, and so, you know, Shaker sees millions of candidates a year going through our systems. Um, so we have hundreds of millions of data points each year. And so because we were kind of uniquely equipped to address this question, uh, we went ahead and decided to investigate. 
Very cool. Very cool. I would just add that 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 this is something that I thought too. Um, I just assumed you know the longer the uh, the assessment is, the higher the rate of dropout. You know, and, and you get a, a smaller pool of applicants. But I honestly have no idea where that idea came from. It just like I was born with it somehow. Um, yeah. So what what did you find? Is that is that common knowledge true, or is it not true? Well, that's actually the, uh, the the question that really got me excited about this project. Uh, a few of my colleagues have since taken jobs at Shaker, and that was kind of my introduction to the project. And my favorite types of projects are those that are counterintuitive, that really challenge those those sacred calves. And that was the big sacred calf that was out there, this idea that longer assessments will lead to higher rates of applicant drop-off. Um, so we actually tested this idea. Uh, we started to really dig into the, the data to see if it was true, to see if it wasn't true exactly why. Uh, and the way that we set things up is we made the decision that if we are going to actually get at this idea of how applicant length deals with, uh, with, with applicant attrition rates, the first thing that we need to ask is, how do applicants actually behave when they enter into one of these assessments? When do they decide to actually make the decision to close the application else never return? Uh, we actually set up three different competing possible models. The first was the uh, kind of common idea that um, longer assessments will lead to higher rates just because applicants are perceived to be these impatient individuals that really don't have the time to wait around and uh, and. Uh, finish a long assessment. Uh, and so that we call the increasing risk model, this idea that applicants are actually more likely to drop out the longer that they stay in the application. Mm -hmm. uh, we then contrasted that with the alternative, the complete polar opposite, the decreasing risk model. Uh, this was based on the idea that an applicant will be at their greatest likelihood of dropping out early on. Uh, the implications of the decreasing, decreasing risk model is that if that is actually the case rather than the, than the increasing model, then the bulk of applicant attrition, the bulk of the behavior by which applicants are dropping out of assessments will occur very early on. And for that reason, the, uh, the length would not have a big impact. And that was actually what we found. We found that um, when people dropped out, they dropped out pretty early on. And, you know, we can't really dig too deep in this data into exactly why they do that. But there's a lot yeah. of theories in psychology and the organizational sciences, which suggest that when people get involved in a task, they get invested in it and they're less likely to quit later on. Uh, it also speaks to this idea that applicants actually want the job. They're going to stick it out. If they really mm -hmm. want to apply for your organization, they're willing to stick it out for half an hour, an hour, two hours however long it takes. And so the people that you're going to be losing aren't going to be the people that you would get even if you cut off 10 minutes, say, off of a 45-minute assessment. I gotcha. So suppose instead of explaining this to a bunch of IOs listening to a podcast, suppose you had a friend that worked in HR and they were hitting you up with the common knowledge and just saying, look, you know, people just don't do long assessments. Everything's fast, 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 short, short, short. So we don't do long assessments. You can't make them too long. How would you explain this to them? Uh, well, first, I would say that this is something we hear all the time. Um, I think one of the most relevant kind of anecdotes I have about this is uh, we were presenting some validation results to to a client, and we had really great findings. Uh, the assessment was, I think, 28, 29 minutes. And towards the end of the presentation, um, one of the business leaders on the call kind of brought everything to a screeching halt, saying that 25 minutes was really the upper reasonable mm -hmm. limit to have candidates go through. And, uh, you know, we ended up going back and 
reworking a lot of the content in the assessment and um, redoing the scoring, all this just to get it below that kind of magical 25 minute <laughs> threshold. Um, so obviously I couldn't say this to, you know, business leader in that right. sort of meeting, but talking to a friend, I would probably, you know, ask them if this is something that they know or something that they're just assuming, because it's really yeah. an empirical question. Um, so I might suggest that they read this paper, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, kind of in all seriousness, it's important to acknowledge that this is a really interesting issue when you break it down. Um, people aren't asking for sure assessments for arbitrary, arbitrary reasons. Uh, companies really are legitimately concerned that they're losing mm -hmm. out on these top candidates, um, because the assessment is some sort of barrier. Um, but really the real question is. You know, not can we get a shorter assessment, but rather how do we increase completion rates? Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So every every decision that you make in an HR setting has costs and trade offs. That's mm -hmm. probably how I would pitch it and sell to them. And so, you know, when you make those decisions, you want to make sure that if you are going to invest uh, your time and energy attracting great applicants, you want to make sure you're doing a good job. Same thing if you're looking to kind of make things a little bit more efficient. What are you actually looking to achieve? Um, and answering that question is more important than just kind of following the classic rules of thumb. Yeah. Yeah. And those rules of thumb kind of rule us uh, in the absence of better data. And, and speaking yeah, of data, I wanted to ask you a question about your data, because as I read the article, I saw your sample, which was impressive. It's a data set of about 222,000 uh, some odd job seekers, which that's the kind of data that you know most researchers would love to get their hands on. But it's not the kind of thing that really gets talked about in, you know, methods, textbooks or anything like that. So could you just share with us, like, how did you get your hands on that data? You know, who, who owned it and how did you approach them about using it for the study? Yeah, so this is actually, um, this is shaker data, I guess. So I'll speak mm -hmm. to this. Um, you're very right that this is not the kind of data set that you're going to be able to collect yourself, you know, on MTurk or anything like that. <laughs> Um, but these kinds of data sets actually exist in a lot of organizations. You know, big data is becoming more and more a thing that companies are interested in um, and keeping track of. Um, so the good news is, you know, apply or IO is by definition, you know, applied psychology. Um, you know, this applied relevance is kind of in our DNA and we're super well equipped to answer these important questions that organizations have, um, you know, about their human capital processes. Um, and so, you know, if you're looking for a big data set like this um, or to work with this sort of data, I think that, um, you know, you want to remember, you know, if you're a grad student, academia is not your only option. And mm -hmm. the applied world really has these data sets that are super awesome that you can get your hands into and, and dig around in. Um, a lot of big organizations have this kind of data and are really interested in innovation and research mm -hmm. and kind of how they can improve things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, I mean, that's that's that, that's really just it. You know, you, you need to you need to have a big idea. That, that would be my advice. Don't mm -hmm. focus so much on trying to get a big number. Try yeah. to have something that an organization is going to care about, something that is actually going to change the way that they do their work. Uh, that's half the battle. Uh, I mean, if, if you are doing good research, if you have good ideas, um, it'll be much easier to sell. It'll be much easier to get people on board uh, to get you access to data like this. Yeah. And something else that I would recommend is really, you know, if you're an academic, um, really listening to what your practitioner friends like what the actual problems that they're trying to address on a day-to-day -day basis are. Um, and, you know, through listening to them, 
um, you can find out what questions that you might be able to use your um, research background to help them answer. Um, yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I have a question for you. I, I really liked the article. I think the, the conclusions that you drew and, and the, the practical recommendations especially really shine. So I'm curious, if I were the magic grant fairy and I could give you, you know, unlimited budget and unlimited time and access and all of that, what, what question would, what research question would you look into that you weren't able to in this study? What would you want to find out? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go and take this one. So there's, the beautiful thing about this topic is that there's not really been very much done on it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's something that a lot of people care about. It's something that people have a lot of assumptions, but there's still a whole lot of questions that need to be answered. Uh, one thing that we really weren't able to get at in this data because of its sheer size and magnitude was some of the more underlying decision-making processes. What leads an applicant to actually make the decision to drop out? What factors they are, are they considering? I think that's really kind of the next area direction that this research can go is starting to dig into some of the actual meat, the, the, the underlying issues to try to figure out what we can do not only to make these assessments better, but to make them more enjoyable, to make applicants more likely to stick around and get more information uh, from you in the first place. So uh, if I had unlimited access to data, funding time, uh, being able to really get in there, get a neat experiment design that can try to tease out some of these issues, I think that would be a pretty cool uh, direction to go next. I agree. So Allison, maybe you could go first again. Tell us something about yourself that we wouldn't guess from looking at your LinkedIn profile. <laughs> well, my LinkedIn profile might allude to this, but I'm a huge psychology nerd and it kind of bleeds over into various other aspects of my life. And so I'm very involved in dog training. Huh. Um, I think it's kind of from the animal behavior slant. Yeah. I worked in a learning lab as an undergraduate. Oh, very cool. Jay, how about you? Yeah. So, I mean, my my uh, LinkedIn profile is not very well developed. One of the beauties of living in the ivory tower of academia. <laughs> Uh, and nevertheless, uh, something that's kind of been on my mind, something I've been talking to my students as I personality theory is the fact that I actually have a terrible profile. When I take these assessments myself, I don't come across as a very, uh, a very remarkable applicant. Um, it really is against my basic underlying nature due to my implicit low levels of conscientiousness to, uh, kind uh -huh. of drive a project like this from beginning to end. So for those of you who are out there who are kind of in the same boat, don't worry, you can overcome it. Um, it's not the end of the world. Nevertheless, it's kind of fun studying these subjects, telling me how unemployable I actually am. <laughs> well, that was great. I want to thank you both for being on the show. I'm going to include a link to the article, and I'm also going to include a link to your contact information if any of the listeners want to get a hold of you. And I also wanted to say a special thank you to Matt Sloan, who was one of your co-authors on the study, who made me aware of the study being there and that, hey, maybe this is a good topic for a show. And I think it was a great topic for a show. So thank you both. Yeah. Great. Thank, thank you. you.